When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 234 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Busy week last week for people who did not see it. Um, We did a third episode on Thursday night into Friday discussing the cancellation of the NCAA tournament. It remains just a huge, colossal, universal bummer. I've spent uh, pretty much all day Friday, all day Saturday on the phone with people across college basketball. It remains such a bummer. We all understand that for the health and safety of the players, of the coaches, of any fans that would have potentially come, although it wouldn't have been many, uh, this had to be done. But as I record here on what should be Selection Sunday, it doesn't make it any less sad. So uh, I, I appreciate you guys listening last week. I obviously, of course, had Bill Walton also from the Pac-12 tournament. Um, but it, listen, despite the NCAA tournament being canceled, it feels like there's still a lot going on. So I am going to talk about what is obviously not only the biggest story in college basketball, but probably the second biggest story in sports right now behind uh, the NFL new collective bargaining agreement. And listen, you can go somewhere else for the collective bargaining agreement, but you come to AT for college hoops. This Rick Patino news shook up college basketball, rocked college basketball, but that man is back in college basketball. So I'm going to talk about Rick Patino. I will talk a little bit about this push and this uh, want to have uh, seniors come back for a fifth year of eligibility or a sixth year, I guess, in some terms. Essentially, the conversation has become, should college basketball players get a fifth year of eligibility in all winter sports, get a fifth year of eligibility given the unusual, crazy circumstances that led to the end of their careers? Obviously, the spring sports have gotten it. We will wait and see on winter sports. And finally, I'm just going to tell you uh, what I've kind of heard through the grapevine about everything that is going on in college basketball right now and all of the ways that this coronavirus impacted this sport. Because the thing that I would say is this, we're so focused on the NCAA tournament, and we should be. Listen, hundreds of kids uh, had their careers come to an end unfairly over the last couple weeks, but this coronavirus has impacted recruiting, it's impacted the transfer market, it's impacted the coaching cycle, and so I will get into all of it momentarily, but uh, I hope everybody's doing well. It is Monday. I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody's healthy. I hope everybody's practicing social distancing, by the way. I don't want to see any of you guys on Instagram or Twitter at the bar, okay? Stay home. Be safe, and I really do honestly hope everybody is safe. Before we get started, the usual reminders, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Listen, I know it's going to be the next few, uh, uh, the next few weeks are going to be difficult for all of you. But this show will go on. I think in some ways, it'll actually be better. Nick Coffey was supposed to join me today to talk Rick Pitino. He had to bail at the last minute. But I think there's going to be opportunities for me to get good guests, informative guests. You know, everybody's going to be sitting home doing nothing. So this show will go on, and I hope that you keep this show as part of your rotation as best you can. I understand some of you are working from home. Many of you have children around. Many of you have husbands and wives. And you're limited. You know, you're not going to be in the car. You're not going to be at the gym. I get it. But as long as, uh, you know, as long as they give me a microphone, 
microphone and KSR gives me the approval to keep doing this show, I am going to keep doing it. So please make sure that you're subscribed. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to go. Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast is available. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Also, the Aaron Torres Podcast Instagram page. We're still going strong, baby. We're still going strong. I'm still, obviously, as stuff happens in real time, going to react there. So make sure that you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. And as we get into the offseason, we're going to be talking NBA draft decisions. We're going to be talking uh, recruiting and the players that are coming into college basketball next year. I'll probably put out a way, way too early top 25 either later this week or early next week. So if you have questions, always feel free to check in. And finally, before we get to the, before we get to the meat of the show, before we get to Rick Pitino, we got to talk about my friend, Dr. Mary Lou Head. As I've told you many times, this show is insanely popular in Kentucky, and so I do want to welcome back our newest sponsor, Dr. Mary Lou Head. In my opinion, the best dentist in all of bluegrass. Look, it's March, and even though the college basketball season has sadly come to an end, Dr. Mary Lou Head is still someone who bleeds blue. She moved to Lexington in 1974, graduated atop her class, married a Lexington native, and still has season tickets to the Kentucky Wildcats to this day. But as much as Dr. Head bleeds blue, that's not why you're here. Why you're here is to know what can she do for your smile, and oh buddy, do I have an answer for you. Dr. Head is a private practice in Lexington, conveniently located in Summit Square Office Park across from St. Joe East Hospital. Dr. Head specializes in family and cosmetic dentistry, and as the only doctor in her practice, Dr. Head can provide personalized patient care in a warm and welcoming environment. Listen, the scariest thing about going to the dentist is uh, all the apparatus, they're near your teeth, they're getting too rough. Dr. Head her top priority is your patient care uh, and kind of your comfort in her office. That is Dr. Head's top priority, and that is why you need to go see her. So if you're looking for a dentist who cares about her clients, call Dr. Head's office to take advantage of her special offer of free exam and x-rays for all new patients. All new patients get a free exam and x-rays. Visit her website at www.marylouseheaddmd.com. That's www.marylouseheaddmd.com. Or call her office at 859-269-5386. Dr. Head is conveniently located at 3225 Summit Square Park, Suite 150, Lexington, Kentucky. Again, that's marylouseheaddmd.com or call 859-269-5386. All right, so like I said, um, I think we all thought that this was going to be this crazy downtime in sports because all these games were canceled, and the Iona Gale said, screw that. And so it has been a busy weekend in college basketball, and so let's get into the biggest story in the sport right now, which is obviously, look, Rick Pitino's triumphant, if you want to call it that, return to college basketball. And it was crazy because I recorded the last show on, I guess it was Thursday night, and even on Thursday night, you started to hear rumblings that maybe there was a situation brewing at Grand Canyon. Uh, by the way, Torres, as always, nailed that one. I said Rick Pitino is not a candidate at Grand Canyon. Calm down. Uh, I actually did the, I was the first person to ever really cover Grand Canyon when FoxSports.com was still around. And Grand Canyon, while they do want to be great at basketball, uh, is a very religious school. And you can't have girls in dorms with boys at the same time and vice versa. And while they want to be successful in basketball, uh, they were not going to hire Rick Pitino at any point. So shout out to AT for nailing that one. But at the same time, you knew it was only a matter of if not when Rick Pitino was going to get that opportunity. And it came and it came on Saturday uh, with the Iona Gales. And so for a little bit of background, I actually think this is one of those deals where the coronavirus actually helped speed up this process. And what I mean by that is very simply this. Rick Pitino was coaching in Greece, coaching in the European playoffs, all that stuff. And like pretty much every sport on the planet, um, the 
the European playoffs were canceled or postponed or delayed or whatever verbiage you want to use. So Rick Pitino gets back on a plane to Miami right around the time that Iona head coach Tim Kluis had to resign for health reasons. Tim Kluis had been a very successful head coach in the sport of college basketball. Iona actually had made four straight NCAA tournaments coming into this season. Obviously, we'll never know how this season would have played out, but Coach Kluis was essentially out of the game uh, all of this season. And so because of it, they had a basketball opening and my understanding is, is that one, Patino was interested, which we'll get into in a second, but two, where it really started was that Patino had a previous relationship with the, F, or with the school president at Iona. So the school president at Iona was formerly at Transylvania, which is a school in Kentucky. Uh, Rick Patino obviously spent most of his coaching career at Kentucky, at the University of Kentucky and at Louisville. And so the two kind of connected that way. And so when the job opened up, there was a natural symmetry between the two. But more important, and this is the part that I think a lot of people have glossed over, Rick Patino had an actual relationship with the school president. And it's one thing for Rick Patino to have a relationship with boosters. It's one thing for him to have a relationship with the AD. But what it was always going to take was a school president to be on board with bringing in Rick Patino. Guy's got a lot of baggage. We're going to get into it. But the school president is always going to be the male or female who has to sign off on this. And so what, what, what I think a lot of people have gotten mixed up in the last couple of years as Rick Patino has pursued a head coaching job was that there were schools that were very interested in him. There were ADs that were ready to hire him. The University of Rhode Island, I'm almost certain because it's been kind of reported publicly, was ready to hire him. The athletic administration was ready to hire Rick Patino. And the school president actually came above the administration and said, no, 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 we ain't, we ain't doing this. And so it was going to take a school that was completely aligned from the top with the school president, with the athletic director, to bring in Rick Pitino. And then according to Rick Pitino, it had to be the perfect situation. He claims that he's turned down other opportunities. I don't believe that. I think this guy desperately wanted to get back into college coaching. And listen, I don't blame him. This is a guy that has spent most of his adult life in a college basketball environment. Now, he obviously had a few years in the NBA with the Knicks and a few years in the Celt with the Celtics. But I mean, from basically like 1980 um, until 2017, that's a span of 37 years, we're talking about about three, three and a half, four years where he wasn't um, a college basketball head coach. And so it was going to take the right situation, not from Rick Pitino's perspective, but from the school's perspective to bring him in. That's exactly what came on Saturday. Um, and we got it. We got it, right? We needed, we only, while it was going to take a special situation, we only needed one of 353 schools to give this guy a shot. Uh, and it's really one of 353 times three. And, and in reality, it was only going to take one of, not only 353, but it was really only going to take one of 353 times three because it's been three years since uh, Rick Pitino was let go at the University of Louisville, uh, three uh, coaching cycles, and so it was 353 times three, and he finally found his suitor. Now that it's official, love him or hate him, Rick Pitino is back in college basketball, and let's get into both the positives and negatives. And because it's Rick Pitino, there are a lot of on both sides, right? Like if you, you know, sometimes in life you make a tough decision and you draw, you grab a yellow legal pad and draw a line right down the middle. What are the positives? What are the negatives? And sometimes the positives way out, way outweigh the negatives. In this case, they're about even and they're a mile long. So on the positive side, look, it's Rick freaking Pitino. Um, and say whatever you want about him. And I know everybody listening to this show has an opinion on him, and most of those opinions are not good. Say what you want about how he has treated his family. Say what you want about his personal accolades, his personal escapades, the fact that he's broken multiple NCAA rules, which we're going to get into in a minute, uh, the fact that he hasn't treated media well, the fact that he hasn't treated fans well. This guy is a winner, one of the great college basketball coaches of all time. And that's not even really my opinion. That's just like a fact, right? This is a guy, let's never forget, took freaking Providence to the Final Four. Freaking Providence. He took Providence College to a Final Four. Uh, when he was at Kentucky, his teams played for three national championships in three straight seasons. Now, technically, 
1998, Tubby Smith was the head coach. Don't want to dismiss what Tubby Smith did. But at the same time, it was all Rick Pitino's players. And so let's be honest. The core that he recruited played for three national championships, winning two in 96 and 98. And we all know what he did at Louisville. He had a ton of success when they were in the Big East. He had a ton of success when they were in the ACC. And oh, by the way, he won a national championship that nobody ever talks about because it was vacated by the NCAA. So there is no doubt that this guy can coach. And then on top of that, he's taken over what is basically the best program in that conference. And so if you look at that conference, it's a small school, it's a small conference with small uh, Catholic schools. And yes, I know I, I own a Catholic school hiring Rick Patino, whatever, insert your own commentary there. But the reason I bring it up is very simply this is because within that conference, that team has been awesome. And they have been awesome historically if they've ch as they've changed coaches. Kevin Willard, who's now at, a, at Seton Hall, was a coach there. They had a guy named Jeff Ruland. And then, as I said a minute ago, the, kid, the guy Tim Clewis, who recently just stepped down because of health reasons, he took them to six NCAA tournaments in 10 years, uh, two NITs. And oh, by the way, the last four seasons, they made the NCAA tournament leading into this one, where obviously nobody made the NCAA tournament because, again, unfortunately, the NCAA tournament's not here. I don't want to talk about it. All right, so... Because of that, Rick Pitino is already kind of walking in to a good situation. And he is a guy that I believe, because of the success that he has had, there's no reason to believe that he will not continue to have success at Iona. Assuming he can stay out of trouble, assuming that he's there for a couple years, look, I think this team immediately, beco it immediately becomes a team that could potentially win its conference next year. Um and could potentially be playing in the NCAA tournament. And eventually, if he stays long enough, they're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Because the bottom line is, each of the last four years they've made the tournament, they just don't have enough size, athleticism, depth, speed, whatever, to make a real run. But now that Rick Pitino is there, they are going to get access to recruits that they've never gotten before. I saw Rick Pitino had an interview with my guy Evan Daniels, basically said um, that he plans on going with the grad transfer market, that he go, plans on going with the transfer market in general. And because of that, I think he is going to get really good players in that program. Because say what you want about Rick Pitino again, but he has a ton of success his teams win, the stage is already going to be bigger because of the fact that he is the head coach, and he has a ton of contacts in the NBA, and he has put a moderate number of guys in the NBA. Now, I don't want to overplay how much success he has had putting guys in the NBA because, relatively speaking, Rick Pitino doesn't recruit the guys that Mike Krzyzewski recruits or that John Calipari recruits. Rick Pitino has a specific amount of guys. Some of them turn into superstars uh, like Donovan Mitchell, Many other ones have very good college careers, like a Peyton Siva, like a Russ Smith, who's obviously playing overseas now. Uh, but that doesn't diminish the fact that Rick Pitino is going to be able to get players into that program that they wouldn't have access, had access to previously. And so it's really interesting because I've heard some other kind of commentary on this decision and all that stuff. And I really do believe, you know, people are saying like, oh, you know, well, crap, come on, they're not going to make a run. It's Iona. The counterpoint is they've already made four NCAA tournaments without him. So don't tell me that they can't get there because they're going to get there. Don't tell me, oh, you know, Patino, maybe he'll go to like two NCAA tournaments in four years. They just went to four in a row. And if they went to four in a row without Rick Patino, there's no reason they can't go four in a row with him, with the players that he's going to bring in. Um, you know, I think they're going to make a, a couple really, really, really nice runs. And I do think it's in play. I would not be surprised if they were in a Sweet 16 in the next two, three, four years. Not because they're going to be one of the 16 best teams in the tournament, um, but because with the right matchups, I do trust Rick Pitino to outcoach the average coach that's coaching, let's say, you know, let's say Iona gets in as a 14 seed and they're playing, I don't know, LSU and Will Wade. I mean, come on, in the Nexus and O's battle, and I'm even a pro Will Wade guy, but like, come on, you, you're not going to take Rick Pitino's team in the X's and O's battle, and then it just comes down to whether LSU has better players or not. So the point is, it would not surprise me if Rick Pitino has a ton of success at this program, and this is ultimately why they made the decision to hire Rick Pitino. And, and say what you want about the school, but I don't blame them, because at the end of the day, um, you're Iona, you're basically irrelevant in college basketball circles maybe for a day or two when you win your conference tournament people in New York City care maybe if you get to the NCAA tournament um, and win a game people care but outside of that you're kind of irrelevant and that's no disrespect 
in a sport with 353 teams, I'd say on a national scale, probably about 340 of them are completely irrelevant. And then on the local scale, probably 300 of them are irrelevant. I mean, how much do we really talk about most of these schools outside of the power programs, Kansas, Louisville, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, etc.? So I don't blame them for doing this. Rick Pitino immediately makes you relevant. Rick Pitino immediately gets you on some TV games that you wouldn't get on otherwise. And so because of it, I don't disregard or disrespect the fact and why um, why Iona took him. Now there is the downside. And the downside is, what was the upside? Well, he's Rick freaking Pitino. The downside is, well, he's Rick freaking Pitino. And history tells us that while he is an insanely good coach, um, the way he leaves your program is not going to be well. It could be like at Kentucky where he has success and moves on to the next level. And I think that's a very realistic possibility for Iona. I know Rick Pitino did a big thing about how he's returning to his roots and he's so happy and he loves being at a small Catholic school and playing in a small gym and all that stuff. Listen, if this guy is at Iona for two years and makes two NCAA tournaments, somebody is going to come and get him from a higher level. I don't know if that would be uh, in the ACC, in the Big 12, in the Big 10. I mean, I would think it'd be some sort of ACC East Coast-based school. I'll tell you what, there's already St. John's fans that are saying, well, if Mike Anderson, if this doesn't work out in a year and Rick Pitino can keep his nose clean, we want to go get Rick Pitino. So that's one, is that even when there hasn't been NCAA trouble, he has not left programs under the best circumstances. And so that was why, and I tweeted this uh, the other day, is I said, if I was Iona, here's the deal. I would put some sort of massive buyout into his contract so that when he inevitably leaves, you at least get a good payday out of it, right? If he, if he has a, a $3 million buyout in his contract, that might not be a big deal to a school that wants to hire him as their head coach, but it gives you a nice little cushion to hire the next guy. Um, it's funny, that's actually what happened with Bobby Petrino, ironically enough. When Bobby Petrino went to Western Kentucky, uh, he went for a year. Uh, and Louisville opened, and I think he had like a $2 million buyout. So when Louisville hired uh, Bobby Petrino, they had to pay his buyout. And so because of it, that's what I would do if I, if I was Iona. That's the, but, but I bring all that up to say that is under the positive circumstance where he wins big and he leaves for another job, which I absolutely think is a possibility. And what I absolutely think is going to happen within the next two years if he has success, even though he'll be close to 70 years old at that point. Of course, there's also the negative, and that is how things went down at Louisville, where, I don't know if you heard, um, two major NCAA scandals. You had strippers in the dorms in 2013 or so, 2012, 2013, 2014, whatever. And then, oh, by the way, uh, his program was found guilty of paying Brian Bowen's family $100,000. And so because of that, there's the very realistic possibility that he's also going to embarrass your school. And I know that Rick Pitino has very, been very vocal, including on this podcast when he was promoting his book, that, oh, by the way, um, yeah, you know, I wasn't found guilty of doing anything, and I, you know, the biggest mistake in my life was hiring Andre McGee, which was really funny, by the way, because during his press conference for Iona, he said his bi the biggest mistake in his life was uh, leaving Providence, that small Catholic school that he had so much fun. Meanwhile, a year earlier on my podcast, on this podcast you're listening to right now, he said his biggest mistake in his career was hiring Andre McGee. But with all that being said, uh, there's a very realistic possibility that Rick Pitino or his assistant coaches will run foul of the NCAA rulebook. And even if he doesn't, he's still got some tough questions to answer going forward with what happens at Louisville. First of all, let's never forget that before he was fired at Louisville in 2017-2018, he was supposed to serve a five-game suspension for the previous scandal. So before he was fired for his assistant coaches setting up a payment plan for Brian Bowen, he was supposed to serve a five-game suspension for the whole Strippergate scandal. So you would assume that those five games will still come into play once he gets to Iona next season. I'm not positive. I don't think even the NCAA knows. I think the NCAA's got bigger issues canceling NCAA tournaments and figuring out what Rick Pitino's suspension is going to be like. But I think he is going to have to serve a suspension to start next season. I would also add this, by the way. I would also add this. Is that, oh, by the way, we still don't know what's going to happen at Louisville. Louisville has all the paperwork. You know, they, they have... Um, you know, the, the, all the information has been transmitted from the NCAA to Louisville in terms of the Brian Bowen investigation. But guess what? The punishment hasn't been handed down yet at Louisville for what happened under Rick Pitino with Brian Bowen, which again, and this is important, 
was the second scandal that happened under Rick Pitino's watch. And what I think is interesting and what I think a lot of the national guys have kind of missed on this story is very simply this, is that we've talked about almost since the day that this scandal happened. I've been very vocal. I give Louisville credit. When this scandal happened, they immediately fired Rick Pitino and their athletic director, Tom Jurich. Okay. Why do I bring that up? It's because that was Louisville as an administration, as an as a school, essentially saying like, look, we are sacrificing our Hall of Fame head coach and the guy, the AD that has brought us all this success uh, for the good of the university. And they were doing that in hopes that the NCAA wouldn't hammer them and punish them for all of the major issues that happened under Patino's watch. And I said it at the time, and people said I was, oh, you know, it's because, oh, you, you're just trying to stick up for Calipari. But I said, and I was right, is that by technical definition, if there was ever a time to give out the death penalty in college athletics in 2019, 2017, 2018, 2020 now, it was with Louisville. Because Louisville was a, was a school that, while on probation for committing violations, committed more violations. And so, but I've also been very vocal that because of the fact that they cleaned house, because of the fact they got rid of Rick Pitino and Tom Jurich, I hope that the NCAA shows leniency on them. You have to punish them in some regard. You have to take something away. But I don't want Chris Mack's program to get hammered. I don't want uh, David Johnson and Samuel Williamson and Aiden Agehan and whoever's coming back to, to have to miss the NCAA tournament next year or anything like that. That's not fair to those kids who had nothing to do with what happened under Patino's watch. And so I actually think now, well, I don't know that anybody in Indianapolis has put two and two together. This is kind of a nice little way for them to get back at, at Louisville for what happened under Rick Pitino without actually punishing Louisville. With Louisville, you take a couple scholarships away, um, you know, whatever, but then you go after the guy where all the sanctions happen, where all the issues happen. And I think this is a very easy way for the NCAA to say, look, Louisville, we're going to punish you, but we're really going to punish that guy over there that was employed at your school when all this happened. And so I think there's a very good chance that Rick Pitino really faces a lot of, now that he's back in college basketball, and that's the important part, because you couldn't, you couldn't hammer him, you couldn't crush him when he was over in Greece coaching in Greece, but you can crush him now, and you can give him a show cause now, and you can say now, like, dude, I'm sorry, but you committed major violations, and you're in really, really, really big trouble right now. I don't know what that necessarily looks like. I don't know if that's a show cause for a season, for two seasons, for an 11-game suspension, a 20-game suspension. But let's not forget, over the last couple years, the NCAA has enacted new rules that essentially say that a coach, a head coach cannot pass the buck, essentially, to his assistants when bad things happen, which is what Rick Pitino has been doing for the last 15 years at Louisville. They can't do that anymore. They will be punished for the actions of their assistant coach. And so if there was ever a time for the NCAA to put that into place, it would be with Rick Pitino coming back into college basketball. And it's such a unique circumstance because the school that committed all the violations basically is completely clean house. But the coach has gotten back into college athletics. And so I'm not saying it definitively will happen, but would it surprise me? Would it surprise me? If the NCAA really came down hard on Rick Pitino, if they really did give him a one-year ban or a two-year ban or a five-year ban, it honestly wouldn't because it's kind of the NCAA's get-out-of-jail-free card. It's kind of their opportunity to say, Louisville, you did the right thing. We're not going to hit you, but, oh, buddy, you're still here. You're still around. Oh, we're coming after you, my brother. We are coming after you hard. And so I think that's something to watch out for, and I think it's something that Iona has to brace for. Now, I know the counter is what I said earlier. You're Iona. Who cares? If he coaches a year or two or five, you still got Rick Pitino for a year or two or five. I just don't know that he is going to be there that long because, one, there's always the chance he takes another job. But I also think that there's a very realistic chance that, oh, by the way, that he gets punished by the NCAA, that he gets in trouble, and that he potentially gets thrown out of Iona Maybe not before he can start, but before he can really get things going. So that is what is to watch out for. But I'll tell you this, Rick Pitino being back in college basketball, I don't know if it's a bad thing, right? Because we do need villains in this sport. Not everybody can be nice. Uh, not everybody can be, um, you know, friendly and cuddly and happy. All like, like, we do need some bad guys in this sport. I think Rick Pitino uh, brings that. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun to turn on 
uh, ESPNU on a on a Friday night uh, and have uh, St. Peter's versus Iona. It's going to be crazy. So anyway, it's going to be fascinating. That's all I have on Rick Pitino. Obviously, as more comes out, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, but Rick Pitino is back in college basketball. All right. I do want to wrap on kind of a couple other quick topics, including this big story that kind of emerged on, I guess it was Friday morning, Friday afternoon, about the possibility of seniors getting an extra year of eligibility in college basketball. And it really stemmed the day the NCAA tournament was canceled. I think pretty much every major national voice in the sport came out essentially in favor of it. I saw Fran Fraschilla come out in favor of it. I saw Doug Gottlieb come out in favor of it. I saw Jay Billis come out in favor of it. And obviously, look, I'll be honest, I got caught up in the emotions of Thursday, of Friday, and I came out in favor of it. And I don't know that I'm necessarily now against it as much as that I don't, I actually see the other side now and I don't really have a strong opinion on it. What I mean by that is very simply this. If the NCAA comes out on Monday or Tuesday and says, look, any winter athlete who lost a season of eligibility uh, will now have that extra year of eligibility or lost their senior season of eligibility will have that eligibility reinstated. Like, I wouldn't be mad. Like, I'm not going to, like, like, you know, crush the NCAA if Cassius Winston, Miles Powell, Nate Sestina, Javin Delorier from Duke, whoever, get another year of eligibility. Like, I'm, like, I don't care. Like, but I also see the other side, which is basically essentially that while – uh, canceling the NCAA tournament really sucks. It really is. It has nothing to do with anything. And it, it, while it sucks, you kind of just got to move on sometimes in life. And so let's get into kind of both sides of it. So I did write about it for Kentucky Sports Radio for people who do want to go and listen. And essentially what I would say is is this, is that I do think that if we're talking about adding a, a an extra year of eligibility, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's totally fair. I think it's totally reasonable. And frankly, I don't even know how much it impacts college basketball in the way that people think that it will impact college basketball, right? Like, I love Miles Powell. He was awesome to watch at Seton Hall. I don't think he's coming back to Seton Hall for another year um, just because he he didn't have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament this year. Same with Cassius Winston. Same with Marcus Howard. Same with whoever your favorite senior is. Now, you start to get to role players. You start to get to people that probably aren't going to play in the NBA. Maybe a Nate Sestina from Kentucky does come back. Maybe uh, a, a fresh Kimball from Louisville does come back. Maybe a Javin Delorier from Duke does come back. I also think there are some sort of unfair downsides to that possibility as well. Obviously, look, we've talked about the freshmen that would be enrolling that are taking these scholarships essentially, and it does create kind of this weird catch-22, and I think in some cases it creates a catch-22 for some coaches too. Do you want to take... Um, your senior back who's been with you for years, who has gone to war with you for years, if you're only going to have them for one year, as opposed to a really good freshman who you might have for two, three, four years. Like, that's that's a tough question. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, and I haven't talked to Bruce Pearl about this. I haven't asked him about it, whatever. But they're bringing in a freshman point guard named Sharif Cooper, who very well could be a one and done, but he could be a two, three, four-year guy. And do you really want to bring back Javon McCormick um, the, the, the senior that you had in your program, do you really want to bring him back if it means that you could risk losing Sharif Cooper, who's a McDonald's All-American? Now, maybe you figure out a way to make it work with both, but Sharif Cooper committed to Auburn knowing that their point guard is leaving Auburn after this year. And so I do think that at the very least, if they do this, it will create uh, a little bit of an exciting kind of pseudo-free agent period with freshmen because I think that schools would have to allow freshmen to get out of their scholarships if they came to the school assuming that they were going to take over for a senior that was departing. I, I don't think Michigan State has a point guard signed to replace Cassius Winston. I actually think they're going to replace him from somebody within the program. But if that guy wants to, if the freshman coming in thought he was going to play because Cassius Winston, Cassius Winston was leaving, you can't really blame that kid for saying, well, if he's going to be back for another year, I want to go to a place where I can actually play. So I get it from the, the freshman perspective. Now, I will say it does happen sometimes where guys ask out of their letters of intent late. I brought it up in the article. Uh, Boogie Ellis, who's at Memphis now, he originally committed to Duke. And when Trey Jones uh, decided to come back for a second year, Boogie Ellis decommitted, was let out of his scholarship, and ended up in Memphis. So this stuff does happen. It doesn't necessarily make it fair to the freshman. I'll also say this. 
it doesn't necessarily make it fair to guys on your roster either. Because most teams that rely on seniors aren't going to now rely on a freshman to come in and replace them. And so what ends up happening is you have a guy in your program that's probably either a freshman or a sophomore now that is waiting for that opportunity. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I know... um, you know, that I know Seton Hall's roster in and out, but I'm guessing they already have a guy to replace uh, Miles Powell. Not that you can ever fully replace him, but that they have a guy to replace Miles Powell within the program right now. It's not really fair to that guy either, who came to Seton Hall maybe two years ago and they said, hey, by your junior year, this guy, Miles Powell, is going to be gone and that's going to be your starting spot. Now you're going to push him back another year? That's not really fair to that kid either. So I see it from that perspective. I also see it from the positives, which is more seniors is going to make college basketball as a whole better. There's always the chance that, um, you know, that, that uh, a Cassius Winston or a Miles Powell does come back. Um, and that's also for the sport as well. And then also just the simple fact that, that the, like, like the more players that you have in this sport that are recognizable, the better it is, the quality of play is going to go up, whatever. Now, I would also finally wrap, oh, by the way, I would also say this too, I forgot to mention this. Don't forget that as I wrote and as other people have brought up, it's not as though the scholarship situation is going to be as big of a deal as many make it out to be. And, and I mentioned this, but like most schools don't use 13 scholarships. And so a place like Kentucky, they only had eight scholarship players by the end of the year. Villanova only had nine scholarship players playing. They had a 10th who was a walk-on that got a scholarship, et cetera. So it's not as though we're going to have all of a sudden teams with 22 scholarship players, okay? Like it's not that big of a deal. But what I would also kind of say is, listen, like I said, on Thursday when, when all this news came out, Friday when all this news came out, listen, I was one of those people that did get caught up in the emotions of the moment. But I would also say now that I've had a chance to think about it, I don't think that I'm as pro giving everybody that fourth year or fifth year as I was at the time. And the reasons are kind of what I just mentioned a minute ago. One, it's unfair to certain elements of of players. But two, more importantly, is look, it, it does simply go back to something that all of our parents told us when we were young and that that sometimes life is not fair. And then there's also this. Even if you bring these guys back, there's no guarantee that you're going to be in the same position going into the NCAA tournament in 2021 as you were in 2020. And what I mean by that is this, is that even if you bring back uh, Miles Powell to Seton Hall, even if you bring back uh, all their seniors that are on that roster, and they do have a bunch of seniors on that roster, it doesn't mean that they're automatically going to be the Big East champ next year or that they're going to be uh, in a position to win the NCAA tournament next year. So much can change in a year. Injuries, chemistry issues, whatever. And so... I guess what I'm very simply trying to say about fifth year, you know, giving players an extra year of eligibility is it's kind of one of those that, as I said a minute ago, I, I, and I, I stand by what I said is if you want to do it, I'm not going to sit here and on this podcast and, you know, bang the drum of this was the worst decision the NCAA has ever made, but I'm also not going to sit here and say that it would be a, an egregious mistake to let those kids, um, not get the extra year of eligibility. I just think it's one of those weird deals. Life sucks. It happens sometimes. All right, really quick, I do want to wrap with just some stuff that I've heard that I think you guys will find very interesting about how this coronavirus has impacted college basketball because I think what people are going to find, and what I always like to do, and sometimes I enjoy these off-season shows more than the regular season, is because I like to give you perspective that nobody else is giving you. I like to talk about things happening behind the scenes that nobody else is talking about. And I suspect that if you listen to other college basketball podcasts, you're going to hear this stuff two, three, four days, maybe a week, two, three down the road. I'm going to tell you about it right now because I think everyone's still caught up on this idea that the NCAA tournament being canceled, that the coronavirus only impacted the NCAA tournament being canceled, where in reality... It's basically impacted every level of college basketball from high school basketball recruiting to the commitments to the the transfer portal to the coaching carousel. And I want to get in how the coronavirus has impacted each of these levels of college basketball. All right. So let's start with the coaching carousel. I know I spend a ton of time talking about Rick Pitino, but I think outside of Rick Pitino, this could end up being a historically slow coaching carousel. Now look, some jobs opened up before the corona scare. Uh, Allen Edwards was let go at Wyoming. Air Force opened up. Loyola Marymount, schools like that. And there have been some that have fired coaches after the corona scare. 
Grand Canyon did. UAB did. I think it was Illinois-Chicago did as well. And so this, this is still happening. But I do think it is going to slow down to a halt for a couple reasons. One, there was a couple coaches that were right on the fence. Like Shaka Smart. Like what do you do with Shaka Smart? This was a guy that for four years did not get the job done. But he did still make two NCAA tournaments. And his team was still playing pretty well down the stretch before they lost their season finale to Oklahoma State. And so in this uncertain time, do you really want to fire him? And here's the question of why do you really want to fire him? There's a couple reasons. First of all, if you fire your coach right now, it's going to be really hard to hire a replacement. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you fire somebody, what do you do? You got to go hire somebody. To hire somebody, especially at a place like Texas or Wake Forest with Danny Manning or whatever, um, you know, you got to fly all over the country and you got a big pool of candidates and you got to fly here and you got to meet there and you got to do this and you got to be in this hotel conference room. Well, if the airline industry isn't quite shut down but is heading there, if uh, it's just hard to travel, if it's frankly unsafe to travel, are you really going to be able to go find the head coach that you want right now in this climate? That's also why I think that it was absolutely preposterous that a school like UAB fired their head coach in the middle of uh, this this craze is because it's really hard to hire a guy. Now, in UAB's case, I think they already have friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, Andy Kennedy, lined up for that job. But I just bring it up because it's, it's going to be really hard to hire a coach under these conditions. So unless you know exactly who your head coach is going to be, it's very, it's very dangerous to, hire, uh, to fire a head coach right now. I'd also say it's very dangerous for two other reasons. Because it's going to take so long to hire a new head coach, you know what's going to happen? Those vultures at other schools are going to come in and pick up, uh, pick apart your roster and convince guys to transfer. I'm just telling you it's going to happen, and here's why. Because let's just say Texas fires Shaka Smart on Monday, and maybe it happens. Maybe it will happen. Well, if that happens, it's very likely under a normal circumstance going to take a week or two to find a head coach. Well, guess what? It might take two, three, four weeks. I would add, your players are not on campus. So normally when you fire a coach, uh, the AD or the assistant AD comes in and talks to him and says, listen, we got a plan in place. We're going to have a new coach in place in the next week or two weeks or whatever. And you can calm the players down. You can say, if you have any questions, come to me. Well, guess what? Those players are spread all over the country right now back in their hometowns. And so you fire a head coach, it only takes one text message from you know, Aaron Torres, the assistant coach at fill in the blank you to your AAU coach that says, listen, man, instead of waiting for, um, you know, a new coach to be hired, you know, that kid's a grad transfer. We could kind of use him right away. I'm not saying, but if he's interested, you know, we got a spot for him right now. And so you have to consider when you're firing coaches now that your your one, your administration is not going to be able to get in touch with them. Two, your new head coach is not going to get in touch with them. I had an assistant coach tell me point blank, like we have kids that might never return to campus. Like 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 if you fire your coach right now, your school is probably doing all online classes for the foreseeable future. Well, guess what? Guess what? You know what that means? That means that if they're on online, they don't have to come back to campus. They don't have to meet with the new head coach. They can just go ahead and get with whatever the next coach is. So there's that element of it. And the final thing with the coaching carousel, which I think is going to slow it down, is very simply this. It was a great point brought up that I hadn't considered. Are boosters really going to want to pay big buyouts in this economic climate? And it sounds crazy, but think about a school like Wake Forest. Small private school most of the athletic department is probably run by a couple really prominent boosters, probably a group of like eight to 10 dudes that are really wealthy former Wake Forest alums. This isn't Texas where there are, you know, probably 20 people with, with a net worth of $100 million that went to Texas. You know, like, like there's not that many people that went to Wake Forest that are filthy rich. And so if one or two of those guys got hit really hard in the stock market, you think he's going to be willing to write a buyout check for Danny Manning in this current economic climate? And it might lead more schools to just keep their coaches for another year, see if the market corrects itself literally and figuratively, uh, and then go get a coach next year. I want to talk about a couple other ways that this sport is being impacted as we speak. The recruiting stuff. First of all, with the 2020 class, there's still like two, three, four guys that are really prominent guys that have not made college decisions. 
And why this is important is because there is no in-person recruiting contact going forward. And so most of the players that are still available that are difference makers, Jalen Green, who is uh, going to choose between whether going pro or go to Memphis, Oregon, or Auburn, um, you know, like like that kid's got a decision to make and he can only talk to the coaches on the phone. Same with Zaire Williams, who went to Sierra Canyon, who is choosing basically between a couple Pac-12 schools, USC, UCLA, whatever. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, Josh Christopher, et cetera. But they can't visit campuses. It's only uh, by phone. And do those kids now wait instead of waiting until uh, mid-April or late April? Are they now waiting until mid-May or late May to make their decisions, especially considering that I think the draft process is going to get pushed back? Because if you can't travel to work out, I mean, obviously, look, agents are going to get to these kids in the way that agents have. The best players probably, frankly, have already known who their NBA agent is going to be for a very long time now. Like, I don't think Anthony Day or Anthony Edwards is figuring out today who his agent is going to be. But again, it is going to slow down the process because kids want to sign with agents. They want to work out, uh, you know, privately in L.A. or in Miami or wherever. And they want to start that process. And I think that's going to get slowed down. And so because that gets slowed down, some of the recruiting stuff gets slowed down. I'd also say the first two recruiting cycles are being slowed down because of the fact that there are no recruiting cycles in April because of this coronavirus. So now you're talking about the, the 16 and 17-year-old kids being impacted because that's two less opportunities that college coaches are going to have to see them. And then finally, the transfer market is going to be bananas because, again, if a kid wants to enter the portal right now, college coaches can't come see him. The way it works usually is if a kid puts his name in the portal and he decides he's going to leave, you can kind of just show up and there's certain limitations as to where you can meet the kid and all that stuff, but you can go talk to that kid in person. You could go convince that kid in person and then you can bring him on campus to tour. So a place like Nebraska, who ironically just got a commitment that is going to be very heavily involved in the transfer market, they can't bring kids to campus to see the campus to check it out, whatever. So again, does this now mean that the transfer market get pushed back, that the kids wait until they can actually visit other schools or have coaches visit them before they put their names in the portal? I do think that for the most part, um, I still think kids are going to put their names in the portal, but I think decisions about the transfer process could take longer. All right, let's get out of here. I think uh, I've said everything that I want to say, uh, but before I do, I do want to give a very quick shout out of the day. And obviously, look, this is a very serious time in our country's kind of evolution and society and things like that. And like I've told you a million times, people are at home and I want everybody to be safe and, and use social distancing. And yes, I will admit that my opinion on all this stuff has evolved over the last couple of days. I'm not saying that if you go back two or three episodes that uh, everything that I said on Wednesday that I believe on Sunday, things change, opinions change, people change. Um, and so listen, I haven't been perfect on this topic, but I will definitively tell you this. My opinion has evolved. Use social distancing. Be smart. But what I love about the internet is that not everyone is so quick to evolve. And so I did want to give a very quick shout out of the day because we have seen some truly awful takes on this topic. I may have given a few of them a few days ago, but I have evolved. So, you know, I've seen the light, whatever. But I saw maybe the worst take I have ever seen that was also really entertaining. So I want to give the shout out of the day to David Hookstead. David Hookstead, D. Hookstead on Twitter. I don't know if he will have uh, erased this tweet by the time that you guys hear this show. But D. Hookstead on Twitter came with a take quake for the ages, people. The take quake for the ages. Okay, this is what he said about the coronavirus. And keep in mind, I'm recording on Sunday, Selection Sunday. David Hookstead said, Today should have been a day of college basketball games and a few cold beers. Instead, coronavirus stole it. Imagine telling a D-Day veteran that sports were canceled because of a virus. Imagine canceling the moon landing over a virus. What a sad state of affairs. Yo, shout out to my boy David Hookstead because that is legitimately the most dramatic take that I've ever seen. I don't want to say it's the worst take. I don't want to say it's the best take. It's dramatic though because listen, I think it's been pretty well established at this point that like I really love college basketball. Like I really don't know what I'm going to do in the next week or two as it comes to the realization that there are no more games, that there are no more tournaments, um, that we are not going to have a champion in 2020. But I will tell you this. Aaron Torres is guilty of a lot of things. I have never compared the release of a bracket to the moon landing. 
I think one's a little more extreme than the other, and that's without even considering the fact that, oh, by the way, Dave Hookstead's analogy doesn't really hold up since the fact that, you know, when guys came back from the moon, they were actually quarantined for quite a few days. So shout out to Dave Hookstead with the most dramatic uh, uh, tweet and reaction to all of this when he said, today should have been about cold ba- uh, of college basketball games and a few cold beers. Instead, coronavirus stole it. Imagine explaining to a D-Day veteran that sports were canceled because of a virus. Imagine canceling the moon landing over a virus. What a sad state of affairs. So shout out to D. Hookstead. Shout out to him comparing the release of an NCAA tournament bracket to the moon landing. As Ron Burgundy would say, David Hookstead, I'm not even mad. I'm actually kind of impressed. Shout out to D. Hookstead, and that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It was a busy show. It was a fun show. A lot going on, and as I told you, a lot is going to continue to go on, and this show is going to go on as long as they let me do it. Twice a week, every week, as always, if something crazy happens, I will be sure to bring back this show. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, please stay safe. Everyone, as I said, please use social distancing. As I said, my my opinion has evolved on this over the last couple days. I still think that most of what I said is true, but things have changed. Situations have changed. I want everyone to be happy and healthy. Don't want anybody getting sick, all that stuff. So please uh, stay healthy. And in the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I will continue to do this show. Um, and I hope you guys have a chance to listen. I know because obviously with the way things are, you're going to be traveling less, you're going to be driving less, you're going to be in the car less, you're going to be at the gym less. But I hope you have a chance to listen. Always make sure to subscribe, rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Make sure you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Finally, Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig, the Australian legend. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice, who I know was forced to listen to this show in the house uh, with her husband, who's ever because everybody's quarantined right now. But that is all for today's show. Thank you again, and I will be back later this week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.